about some of the stupid ass movies we've watched <laughs> yes oh yeah they want more author was author the, um, oh we wanted to see sent a woman back in action <laughs> yes send, <laughs> him send, him, send him to like rambo where <laughs> rambo goes in rambo 4 <laughs> lieutenant girl frank we gotta, slade yeah, we gotta Bill Hoffman, and the rest of the guys from yeah, yeah the, the the baird boys they go on a school trip to like cambodia they get show you what the real world is like <laughs> Ironic, you're called the Khmer Rouge, cause that's all you're gonna see, red. Your blood. <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was gonna be working a cush, cush job on K Street. I'm scalping bad guys in the jungles. <laughs> Not again. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's like that movie I watched, Welcome Home, Soldier Boys, except it's Hoffman and uh, Todd Luiso from. Oh, yeah. High fidelity. And we're gonna have Peter Sarsgaard, who I confused him with. <laughs> I know Chris O'Donnell. They're like, we can't come back. We're not the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh Philip Seymour Hoffman just gets his head exploded. Yeah. Well, I think the only way. I mean, we'll get to the introduction here, but I think before I get to the introduction, the only thing to say about this episode is football. Hello and welcome to the award-winning Academy Academy, the podcast that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Remian. <laughs> welcome to the Academy. Football. Um, Football. Today, we're taking a deep dive into some of the, some of the final late 80s to mid 90s snipes pictures that we have not covered yet on the show. Um, yes. You're all on the edge of your seats for New Deck mm. City versus Demolition Man. So are we. Had some guest issues. We need it. Patrick, I think you can agree on this. We need a guest who's going to really bring the heat. Yes. The action being the juice. Mm. What I'm referring to when I talk about heat. Um, bring the thunder. Bring the lightning mm. to talk about those two massive 1990s pictures. We got them. They'll be on next week. Took some time to figure out who it would be, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in all uh, full disclosure. Took some time to figure out who yeah. this special person would be because, boy, I don't know. I mean, I am, uh, and we got to hear about your um, New Jack City Mario Van Peebles experience oh, too next yes. week too. We'll tease oh, that man. out. We won't yeah, talk about it now, but uh, awesome experience watching that movie. And, Patrick uh, <laughs> saw it in person with with the man Mario Van Peebles in the house. So, oh my gosh, yeah. We'll, we'll we but we'll tease that out this week. We got three 
pretty, pretty. I, I'm not gonna, I hesitate to call the, any of them good. Nah. But at the same time, I call them all enjoyable. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Like, here's my like. All of these movies are they good? No. Are some in poor taste? Sure. At Probably times. all of them at times. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know what? They're totally easy to watch. Like, yeah. Some movies are like, like I'm sliding through a quicksand pit in hell while Geely, like watching Geely, like hurts me physically. None of these movies. This, like, these are great. These would be great movies to have on in the background while you're washing dishes. Yeah. If you're, if you, yeah. Totally. I mean, we, Jen and I watched a Giallo last night called "The Red Queen Kills Seven Times." Oh wow! One hundred and thirty-six hour and thirty-six minutes. Mm. So we turned on like, oh, I, I love that ninety-six minute timeline. Mm-hmm. We paused it at minute forty-four, and I go, "Do you feel as if this movie has been on for three and a half hours?" And she oh, was no. like, "Oh, absolutely, I do." <laughs> don't get those vibes. Certainly, don't get those vibes on these three. These yeah. three move along at a nice clip. Yep. Even the one that's over two hours long is still interesting and kind of, and goofy at the very yeah. least all the way through. Well, like the thing too is like with all these movies, they actually like the directors are none of them like all of them have their little hits. Like yeah, yeah, there's little there's panache from each of the directors. Yeah, like they've all had their moment, and we'll get into them more as we touch you know. Two of the, each movie. Two of the directors I would say are legitimately underrated great directors yes these might not be their best movies but their best movies are really really great movies oh so 100 um, and i think yeah. like that third one and i know who that third one is like he's good even had director yeah he's had like yeah. one or two movies that are like not bad like he yeah. said like good like you know yeah and of course so today we're talking about from 1986 wildcats from 1993 rising sun and from 1995 money train um Let's get into it here. Yeah. Got a lot to talk about. These are these are these are good fun to- fun movies to talk about. Yeah. 1986 Wildcats. Interesting fact about this. This is Wesley Snipes feature film debut and guess who else it's their feature film debut. Woody Harrelson. Whoa. His, whoa. Well, his maybe arguably his greatest um buddy in all of these movies. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. So is Wesley Snipes uh, the question of the episode perhaps. Is Wesley Snipes the greatest at buddy movies. He's, mm. He is in so many, all of these movies today could arguably be considered buddy movies. This is more of an ensemble Wildcats, but certainly the next two fit the bill for uh, buddy action movies. He's so good at it. He's got chemistry with everybody, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll figure that out over today's episode. But of course, 1986 Wildcats sports comedy uh, directed by the great Michael Ritchie. Starring, and this is oh, uh, <laughs> this is the kind of cast that if you look at this on the menu, the Academy Academy starts salivating. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have my my Tex Avery eyes are wide open. I, uh, <laughs> if this was served in my stew in that small town in Tuong Fu, I would say keep it up. This yeah. is the kind of ingredients I want. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, not. I love not spices. Spi- yeah. I love spice. You love spice. <laughs> so of course, leading the pack. Uh, star vehicle par excellence Goldie Hawn mm-hmm. but also in the mix Susie Kurtz Robin Lively James Keach brother of Stacy we'll get to that Jan Hooks Academy Academy Hall of Famer Bruce McKill we will oh, get yeah. to that <laughs> Nipsey Russell Michael T. Williamson Bubba Gump himself yeah! 
Uh, Woody Harrelson, M. Emmett Walsh is in the mix, and LL Cool J shows up to do a rap, and Gloria Stewart of Titanic oh my is God. in the film as well. Is she the um she's the like the private school uh, yes. wow just like a one scener. That's um, so good. Score by James Newton Howard, but uh score is not so much what matters in this film. This may have the greatest soundtrack yeah. we have ever um rap seems to have been introduced to Michael <laughs> Ritchie and Goldie Hawn right before they started filming this film and they were like you know what i'm into it i think this might be a thing yeah and, uh, i mean i think michael's into it goldie's more like uh bemused by it goldie <laughs> is confused she Rappel. well i actually think uh goldie may have heard rap for the first time yeah. going into that end credit like right before they filmed that end credit this is what rap is this is rap um film Debuted at number four at the box office, made twenty six million though, which not too bad. I don't know what the budget was, but I don't think it, this was a um, super high budgeted movie. This is the kind of um, throw a big movie star into a very identifiable situation, mm. do your best with the content, <laughs> and move on. Kind of everyone got paid and move on, kind of thing. Does have a twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes though. Mm. Our our friend Roger Ebert. Gave it a 1.5 out of 4. Really? Yeah. The filmmakers, the producers, and Han herself bought the premise instead of looking for the plot. Problem with this movie is what they started with a character description instead of with a story. The fact that Han plays a boys' football coach is not in in itself interesting. Her relationship with the team would have been interesting if they developed one. Ooh. Gene, on the flip side. Well, this was not an argument between Raj and Gene. He gave it one out of four as well. Uh, (laughs) Called it a pathetic sports comedy that represented another attempt to duplicate the success of Han's genuinely funny monster hit, Private Benjamin. Um, Later on in 2014, um, was mentioned in an article concerning white savior narratives in film. Ups and downs to that. I don't know. I think this movie doesn't have, like, this movie's not like, um, it's more about her being awesome than it is her teaching the kids to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I feel um, like the kids really don't, like, learn learn or lot. Change, they just learn to kind of think that she's neat, this this pretty blonde lady showing <laughs> yeah, up. Probably, um, yeah. So, Goldie plays Molly McGrath, daughter of a famed high school football coach who's just dying, dying to coach <laughs> her own team. She's teaching girls track and field. She goes up, she originally is at a affluent high school, Prescott High School. Mm. Uh, the best in the city at this kind of stuff. Um, JV football coach opens up, but um, head coach of varsity, Dan Darwell. Bruce McGill, who introduces himself at a misogynist peak and just keeps yeah. chug- chugging along. Insane. Yeah, just a, a total ghoul. Unhinged performance from Bruce, our man Bruce. Oh, yeah, yeah. He gets, and he gets like the most, it, it, the, the climax of his unhinged performance is uh, incredible. He delivers a truly disgusting joke at the end of this yeah. about her and her team. Uses the word coos, which should not be Oof, which should not be used yeah, at all. Immediately he is the enemy. You see he, this he character, says he's it, the enemy. But then he smiles to himself and goes, I'm a real funny guy. Like 
proud of the joke. And you're like, you're doubling down, Bruce. And it's wonderful villain. You want him to get it. Yes, and he all does. The way through, and he does. It's it's in, undeniably satisfying, but it takes a while to get there. We're jumping the gun because Bruce really <laughs> brings the heat. Um, at, she plays a game of um, racquetball with him <laughs> that so uh, he laughs off her idea that she could be the coach of the team. And then she fi- he fires one at the wall and the ball directly <laughs> nails him in the junk to end the scene. And doesn't it looks like Bruce did the stunt himself it does but it does yeah it does seem like he took the nutshell well also he's like losing to her too he's like in this world like this is like a world where pretty much every man is a variation of homer simpson this is like every yeah. all the high school kids are little homer like they're all like out of it, shapes and inept. the the entire thought that this tiny lady could have any knowledge of football is complete is alien to everyone involved baffling baffling thought to them they are offended by that i the entire concept they don't have the capacity to imagine that scenario so um goldie learns that the head coaching job at a um less affluent um more um working class we'll put it yes chicago high school central high school is open kind of place where guard dogs are needed to patrol the campus that's a wikipedia quote yeah what the hell they can't can't even freaking sell their peanut brittle i know so she shows up um the team is not having it in a variety of abusive ways to to (laughs) goldie on oh yeah no they are horrible they're like they're horrible to her um the team is led by quarterback woody harrelson krasinski um, Wesley Snipes is on the team. He plays Tremaine, the the, the self-appointed ladies' man of the team. Uh, Wesley's game, the entire movie, is that any woman, regardless of if they are a high school classmate, younger than him, much older than him, a judge in federal court, Goldie Hawn, doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, he's making moves. (laughs) He is just a a a creature, a pure id. Yeah, he is a horn dog supreme. (laughs) Some sort of sex, some sort of like a sex poltergeist. And the 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 thing is, because everyone else is so cruel, and Wesley is so inherently likable that he kind of gets away with it comparably to the rest of his team and, and any other man in the movie. Is, antic, like when he flirts with that judge, it is legitimately like, Oh, a third beat of Harold funny yeah, moment because you're like, of course he's doing this. He has presented that this is who he does. And now he's doing it to the next, like, you know how in third beats of Harold, you always like go to space or something like that. Cause yep. you have to like go to the craziest place. So yeah, that's it. Him flirting with the judge and asking if she really has judges chambers and if he could talk to her in private. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, pushing away the bailiff and being like, nah, it's my turn, dude. Yeah. Hey, it's very funny. And then there's yeah. all sorts of um, side goofballs on the team. Everyone kind of has like a one note game. Yeah. One guy likes to fart part. a lot. Well, yeah. One guy's kind of, one guy doesn't speak English. Ooh, what a game. Um, yeah, and then, there are side characters. There is Tab Thacker, who plays oh. Philip Finch, uh, who we did not mention. Um, oh, he passed away, Patrick. Oh, that's a, such a oh. shame. R.I.P. to a real one. R.I.P. to a real one. Another Chekhov's fat guy, too. Yeah. Uh, died in 2007 at only 45. He would have been uh, 60 
this year. Uh, he plays Philip Lynch, who is a who should be, you know, has the size certainly for yeah. football. And but um, he's a businessman. Yeah, he has to be paid to be on the team. <laughs> I think at one point he's just like, I'm only motivated by money and food. Like, yeah, <laughs> and he proves it. Yeah, throughout the film, true. In many eating scenes and yeah. many scenes where he demands money. <laughs> yes. Moment in this movie, it's so fucking stupid. He's really he's... funny though. He steals oh, everything. He you is can. funny. He's incredibly funny. But like, um, in the in the um final like big game, there's like a scene where he's on the he's on the bench and he's eating like a chocolate cake or a pie, and then like they cut away from him and they come back to him. He's eating a different, like, he's eating, like, yeah. a cheesecake. Like, and these are, like, not pieces. He's got the full, the full cake. cake. It's just totally, yeah. that's where the movie just totally, like, becomes it's, a cartoon. It's tremendous. And then yeah. also is hanging out is Lavander Bird Williams, played by Bubba oh, Gump, yeah. Michael T. Williamson, who's also, of course, in Heat. Yep. <laughs> Shaking down Ashley Judd to, to <laughs> out of custody of her daughter. Yeah. Or son, Dominic, of course, Dominic. Chihuahuas. We know every aspect of heat. We're not missing. Oh, we're yeah. not missing heat facts. Heat, um, heat heads. Uh, and he's kind of. You don't know what his deal is at first. He seems fun though, like yeah. a nice guy. He's but he's like, also like selling watches mm-hmm. out of his jacket. Yeah, he's, he's like hustling. Yeah, there, he's like the one guy in the beginning of the movie who like believes in Goldie Hawn. Yeah, and we should have known it from the start. I got swerved a little bit by Wildcats. I should have guessed from the start. I didn't know how. There's a lot of questions on how old everyone in this high school is, oh, so yeah. it was hard to tell like if he was like hanging out or if he was a student. Turns out he's a student. I thought, yeah, I thought he was like an older cousin to everyone involved. Yeah, who was going to be like the assistant coach that's to Goldie Hawn. That's 100% <laughs> yeah. what I thought. You see him and he's like, nah, she has, he was going to be the assistant coach. That's 100% <laughs> what I thought too. Turns out he's actually the best athlete in the school, which if you're not going to be the assistant coach, you better be the actual like wild card, wild cat um, quarterback of the team. And you got to hand it to Harrelson. He shockingly takes his demotion from the position of quarterback quite gracefully with ease. Yeah, he owns it. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm not, not that good. Yeah, not good at this. This is not my role. But he's got it. He's a good slot back. And he we he also re-explains that in his rap at the end of the movie, which we we're saving that discussion for a little bit from now because so um, it's awesome. That, um, yeah, that saves the movie for me. And like... it really starts off because the movie starts off with a montage with a rap about the history of football. Mm. And it just goes from there musically. So Goldie has to really prove it to the team. And she challenges them to this race around the track. Yes. And if she can be the last person standing. She gets to coach the team. If she can't, she will quit. It starts to rain. Uh, one of the great montage songs I've ever heard is going throughout this entire sequence. And guess what? She's kicking their ass until it's her and Snipes. Because Snipes is the best athlete on the team. She reveals she ran the Boston Marathon. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, Wes- and Wesley gets a side ache. And <laughs> stops. Yeah, and she just keeps running, and oh my god, she proves a little bit of grit to the boys on the team, and she starts building the relationship with them. With them, but is it to the detriment of her real job, folks? <laughs> According to the politics of this movie, her real job, 
as a mom. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Enter James Keach. Enter James Keach, Stacy's brother. <laughs> so, little side thing. We watched the movie The Long Riders, Walter Hill's Western, a few weeks ago, which is about the, Keith, the James brothers, all these group of Western brothers. Oh, yeah. That which movie is, has, like, it's a brother's a, movie. It's a brother's movie. So, it has the Carradines. It has the guests, Christopher Guest and his unbeknownst brother. Um, the Quades are oh, in wow. the mix. And of course, uh, spearheaded by the James brothers, played by James and Stacey Keach. We all know and love Stacey Keach. M- many good movies. We were less familiar with James Keach. And Jen was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and so he, uh, to my surprise, James Keach showing up again as Goldie Hawn's stuffy ex-husband oh yeah when, yeah. I, when you first see him like you think oh that's craig p nelson and he walks in on her taking a naked bath oh yeah it's like his first introduction very weird very weird <laughs> very weird <laughs> it's, get a surprising nude scene that i was not nutsy coming at all yeah, she, she like opts to take the towel and Eat like the put bath. it in the tub yeah, yeah. very weird interesting choice yeah interesting like i would get out of the tub. yeah i would you know tell him to leave put on some clothes nah, she's like and nah i'm, I'm staying in this, this tub. is this is a classic relationship in which they have you have no idea why they were ever together in the no. first place yeah he is a stuffy weird conservative yuppie she yeah. is kind of a loosey-goosey played as it lays you know well you know very classic goldie hawn yeah. character she's never she never plays the stick in the mud she's kind of the fun one who gets sticks out of the mud yeah he's also very insistent on like controlling her life way way past, at, like past well, their- he is remarried yeah um yeah and he's having none of it so does this movie as she is trying to win the hearts and minds of her team and get them to that big game against obviously will be against Bruce McGill and his team later on. Is it simultaneously a semi Kramer versus Kramer level custody battle for her two daughters? You better believe it. (laughs) You know, James Keach is hanging out with Austin Pendleton and Wallace Shawn. Oh yeah. The starting over, uh, sad dads of sad divorced men club got a new member this yeah. week and it's james keach as frank needham um so it goes in this courtroom thing and that's where the aforementioned scene with snipes because guess who are character witnesses for goldie hahn mm. the guys on the team who now love her yes as a coach so she makes a decision because she's damn it i just want my kids back mm-hmm. oh we should mention mm walsh is her lawyer Oh, yeah. is, and he's awesome. And to Roger Ebert had this had this statement that if Emmett Walsh or Harry Dean Stanton are in a movie, it gains an extra star. Generally speaking, like, like uh, in the final ratings, like they can make or break a movie just by wow. having their presence because they're so good mm. and everything. Boy. Just when the movie's lagging, he shows up as her divorce lawyer yeah. and her custody lawyer, and he kicks ass and he's fun. So um, good, like he's he's so warm. Too. Yeah, you love the guy. You, yeah. you you just love to see him. And we get a courtroom scene. Patrick, you called it right out. A very uh, scent of a woman ending. Yeah, it's a reverse scent of a woman. It's great. We're like the 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 
the he, the mentors in trouble and all the kids come and yeah. save the day. So, but it's not looking good because the kids actually don't do a good job at all in saving the day. <laughs> they are terrible character witnesses yeah, for the most part. Uh, they great. curse up a storm. Wesley flirts with the judge. Basically, they but they kind of call it as it is that Goldie has probably neglected her parenting duties to to coach this football team. Yeah, those <laughs> kids are kind of like, you know, I think at one point, like the daughter gets a scorpion tattoo. Yeah, and the question <laughs> of like, is it a white savior movie? Because she doesn't really put them on the track for any level of personal uh, no. for, for professional success or get them out of their situation at no, all. None <laughs> of these people are like gonna like she has not helped Woody Harrelson. She has not helped Wesley Snipes. If if they are going to get out of if they're gonna have if any of these kids are gonna have a future, it's gonna be by their own. Yeah. If anything, she's just getting up to antics with them and enjoying herself in yeah. kind of teenage tomfoolery. I mean, she has them over for a victory party at her house and isn't that upset that they're spiking the punch. It's insane. It it's quite crazy. it's quite bad behavior. And her yeah. sister, who you think is gonna be like, I don't know, Goldie. It's just along for the ride. Yeah. Oh, she's. I was so funny because I didn't realize she was gonna be like she was the sister initially, and I was like, oh, is this like like her living? Like, are they lovers or something? Oh, like well, how great would that have been? Yeah. Very, very progressive. It would have been would've awesome. Would have been. Would have fun. Been. Oh, and then she could have been the assistant coach, and they could have ran plays together. Oh, mm. would have been great. Would have been good. But so, James Keach has. There is a smidge of James Keach being like, hey. I don't know about what's going on in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, as, as their father, too. Eh, I mean, but you called it, too. Goldie is a reverse author. Author, She gets to do the fun, divorced parent who yeah. just wants to, like, follow their dream. Yeah, we've met them before. Yeah, author, gets, author. Yeah, Kramer she... versus Kramer. But they're all, they've all been dudes, starting yeah. over, even. Even though Bert wasn't a parent, thankfully. <laughs> Thank one. fucking God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God he Maybe he was and just like left his kid at school the whole no, time. Like, I mean, you could picture Goldie and Susie Kurtz, Verna, uh, participating in Thursday's game. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> just walking around in weird coats, uh, trying to like <laughs> avoid their <laughs> husbands at all costs. Right away to cheat on their husband at all costs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting into weird fights with like you know they they are like at a I'm just imagining they're like at a um like a, a poker night with like Margot Martindale and uh, yeah and Bruce and, McGill still yeah Bruce yeah. That's the one guy there it's Bruce the McGill. one guy there he's of course like taking swings at the women it's very bad <laughs> yeah it's, it's very not bad taste it is not good yeah. when he does it it's bad um, when the other people but... do it very funny. James Keach goes about it in a classic fucking pencil up his ass. Yeah. 80s yuppie kind of bullshit way. Yeah. Kind of like afraid of black people too. A little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. 100%. And he wants to send the girls to basically girls school version of Baird. Yeah. Lady um, Baird. Lady Baird. He wants Goldie to teach track and field there to the rich girls. Uh, Goldie doesn't want to do it, but it's not looking good in the case. So Goldie folds Yeah, pretty also, quickly. Yep, there's like a, we're also skimming over the uh, the laryngitis, like a 10-minute laryngitis bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she loses her voice yelling at the guys. It's very weird. Very it's weird. Kid. 
very like and she's funny i, I she's love gay. i love her i think she's so much fun <laughs> i didn't really buy her for a second as a football coach oh, <laughs> to no. be perfectly honest no she's not a football it's totally insane it's a very <laughs> you gotta want denzel washington from remember the titans just to show up and take her clipboard and like i'll take it from here goldie <laughs> yeah, like coach carter comes like hey i got this don't worry yeah we've, we've, well, i think it's because like in these like narratives of these high school sports like taking a loser team and making them good we've kind of seen what a good coach looks like in a million movies yeah and goalie's got great like go guys go kind of style but i would have liked a couple more scenes of like her like showing some x's and o's like tactical genius yeah that actually is like one thing this movie is missing like if you'd like like this movie i think could have been uh, maybe not like great or anything but it could have if you had like just like a hair more like football minutiae I think instead of like spoofs and goofs and scams and flams to win the big game um, it would have been cool if it had more football minutia and she beats Bruce McGill with her intelligence yeah. like her, oh. her skill set yeah no, 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 not like weird tab sack or chicanery or like yeah, I also don't think that um the football scenes are, and I love Michael Ritchie, and we'll talk about him in a sec here. I think the football scenes are actually pretty poorly put together, and they're hard to even comprehend what is going on in the game. Yeah. In it, like, who's winning, who's losing. Like, that sequence where they're getting beat down in the first half in the big game, it feels like Bruce McGill's team has scored 100 points. And then they cut to the scoreboard, and it says 14 nothing. I'm like, oh, this game's a lot closer than I thought it was. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, it's totally, yeah, it's there's no sense of tension in this games whatsoever. Like, in, yeah, I mean, because yeah. Bruce McGill's so awful and Goldie's so like ch- such a charming movie star that you're like, of course she's gonna win. Yeah, and but, like, and she is like, I was like, the movie, like, the only reason this movie, and it doesn't really work, I guess, that much, that much compa- It might be the weakest movie of the three. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we'll uh, see. But, we can. Yeah. We got to break it down. Yeah, we got to break it down. They're all. They all have their strengths and minuses, mm. but. uh but I think that like Goldie Hawn is like engaging, and she is like a fun movie star. I think you're. Oh, I right think there. that's where um, Raj missed out on his review too, because I think she has great chemistry with the guys. All yeah. the team. I think they have a lot of fun together. I like. Yeah, I like. Once they, once they get on the same page. Yeah, I like them just hanging out. Yeah, that. I, I think here's my here's my uh, provision. Cut out like put in the football stuff, and then cut out all the family stuff. You don't need like, I think that there's enough like yeah. of like this like the most unlikely on face value mm-hmm. uh, football coach possible who turns out to be really great at it inspires a ragtag group to victory. Yeah. Simple, simple story. There's actually in all three movies, that's what I would say is connected, is that all three movies are a little too overstuffed with story that mm-hmm. they didn't need like yes. subplots and so forth, because I think um, we'll get to it. But a movie that called Money Train, in which the money train, the aforementioned money train, barely matters at all to the movie until yeah. the last 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, but it, when it's everything, it's there's so many issues with Money Train in terms of just like, like there's like a character in Money Train that you think is going to be like the big bad, and then he's like, 
pretty much dealt with like who's also wasted because he is a cool bad guy he rules he's, he's a very scary bad guy he's so good okay yeah we can't, we can't talk, talk about it. we're gonna we're that's an hour from now we'll yeah, talk okay. about it in an hour <laughs> wasted wait yeah we're gonna yeah this is gonna be a four-hour podcast <laughs> we got a lot to say about three movies no one is thinking about whatsoever right now um <laughs> But yeah, it goes his court. She so she gives up. She says she's going to teach at the school. She's done with the guys at Central mm-hmm. after the final big game, which is of course against Bruce McGill and Prescott. Uh, they come out really shitty in yeah. the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, Goldie's a little confused as to why. She does not realize that's because she bailed on them and they're uninspired by it. Uh, she figures at halftime. What I love about the big game is everybody's there, even M. Emmett Walsh. Is at the big game. Yeah, for some reason, inexplicably, the lawyer is there. With yeah, Wolves. he came to the game because he was like, he heard about the guys. He's like, I want to see what happens here. I don't got anything to do this Saturday. <laughs> oh, it was the probably Friday. Guy. He's a Friday night lights. Yeah, yeah, neighborhood guy. Neighborhood gay. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's there. James Keach is there. And at halftime, she's like, listen, man, for these guys, I got to do this for them. And somehow he kind of gives in, like almost yeah. immediately after all the movie of him being like. But I think he was uncomfortable with his real smarmy dis- divorce family lawyer that he had. Yeah, and it's a it's like he's kind of fun in this movie. Keach, he, he's good. He is yeah. like he he like takes he is um he takes that role with a, a plum. He's so he's very smarmy. He's very like it's kind of funny that like I didn't realize that like. Stacy Keach would have such a white collar uh, brother. Like his yeah. energy is so de- like you don't expect like the guy who starred in Fat City to have well, like he's kind of um, Stacy Keach with a little more hair, mm. run over by a steamroller to get tall and lanky. Yeah, and with like a less obvious drinking problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little, a little more. Uh, yeah, but then like I guess like that's what the beauty of Stacy though I guess. Is little, yeah, that's why Stacy probably got a little bit more work is because he's a little bit gnarlier of a dude. Yeah. Um, Stacy Keach involved in a cocaine bust in the early eighties. Read up on it, folks. Oh my good stuff. god. Okay. <laughs> good, good dirt there. He's Not like, even dirt. That's out there. He's, he's great. Like the, he's the one actor I think. Uh, him and Power. Or, no, there's two. Him and Power Spoof. If you're ever gonna make a Blood Meridian movie, and it's too late. You can't cast them anymore. But I, I would know. have either wanted like Stacy Keach or Booth as Judge he, I think that if you're gonna make a Blood Meridian movie, you can't have like. Like I remember for a while, and I know he's he's definitely out now. But like James Franco was involved. And doing Blood Meridian, and he and even before all of the allegations and weird, creepy stuff about him came out, he's such a lightweight. He would have never made it, and he would have been too. He would have probably acted in it as like the kid or something like that. Too and precious. Too yeah. You got to yeah. get like. I think I got to go back in time and get like Billy Friedkin to direct it, mm. and then have a bunch of like the Gene Hackman. It's the judge or oh, some like a young uh, like seventies Gene Hackman, yeah, I think that, really like good. or Keach or somebody or you know, but you got to get like some ugly guys. Like go to the Serpico casting office and get yourself some ugly guys. Yeah, just a weird fellow. You need to find someone who's like Ernest Borgnine esque, but you need to find a guy who's like Ernest. If like if Ernest Borgnine aided Ernest, well, you Borgnine. just watched um, the Wild Bunch, which is Ooh, probably yeah. the closest to capturing the spirit. Of uh, that endeavor, that oh, bring you ahead of Alfred. Yeah. Well, Sam Peckinpah should have directed. Um, Blood yeah, Meridian. you're 100 right. If we could have some sort of time travel, 
<laughs> way to do that kind of thing. Sam Peckinpah was probably the man for the job. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Get like, yeah, and he would could like cast like, I don't know, like Yule Brenner or something. It's the yeah, and you got to have like that. The spirit of his endeavors needs to kind of they they're the close McCarthy and Peckinpah are very yeah aligned. I guess like S. Craig Zoller's kind of like the closest thing you probably get. <laughs> Yeah, maybe like, and I think he could be good. I and can then, see I mean, him. Like, I haven't forbid, folks, another canceled fella, but uh, Mel Gibson is the judge. That's kind of like <laughs> that's perfect in a horrible not bad. way. Not, not bad. bad. I'm not, not like yeah. Not, not good. Not, not good. Yeah, not good. Not but not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's actually that might happen. That's actually interesting. Uh, it's the only way. It's like you can't have Ridley Scott make it. And God bless Ridley Scott or any of these, you got to get somebody who's got a little bit of a um, nasty, nasty yeah. streak yeah. to them. Anyway. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Goldie <laughs> somehow talks James Keach quite quickly into letting her coach the team. And I got to do this for the boys and look at the girls. They love this and everyone's rooting for it. And then you got to root for them. And um, he goes full ass. He roots for them. Yep. In the biggest yeah. possible way. I feel, I feel bad for his like current wife kind. He's like just so invested in his previous wife. Other than life. being kind of snooty and having a pretty dog is not established. Oh, not a character at all. No, not a character yeah. at like, all. Like, yeah, like a set piece. She's yeah, it's kind yeah. of a bummer. Yeah. So um yeah. They yeah. win the big game and then Bruce McGill goes crazy. <laughs> He will. He tries to protest it. So our man Finch uh, does a fucking gorilla press on Bruce McGill. Yeah, well, Bruce McGill's like, you take bribes. There's, there's a bribe in your jockstrap. He, he oh, goes- he wants to grope. He wants to like get dig in on Finch's jockstrap to see if he's hot holding any cash down there. Totally <laughs> insane. At this point, like you're you're rooting for Finch because like Finch like picks him up. And like you're expecting him to do the Bane back snap, you're just expecting. Know, why didn't Vince McMahon go after Tab Thacker? He would have fit into the '80s WWF. He could have been a pro. Yeah, he has like he's like a huge. He's like Andre the Giant. Oh, I know why. It's because Vince McMahon was so outwardly racist. In oh, the cool. 80s. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> promote black uh, pro wrestlers. There we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So answer solved. Oh yeah. Answer solved. Yeah, I'll just. Yeah, I'll just Trevor. All I know Vince McMahon as because I'm not like a big wrestling guy. I just know him as the guy who like uh, got his head shaved by Donald Trump. Yeah, like just an insane like the fact that like you know it's the world we live in. Yeah, but we have like a president who's like he's shaved. in the WWE Hall of Fame. Trump is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Just, he has received a Stone Cold Stunner. We live in the dumbest world. Yeah. Dumb world. Dumb world. Dumb Dumb world. world. Dumb fucking world. Um, Anyway, uh, they win the big game. Bruce McGill gets slammed into a mud puddle and can't, and comically can't get out of it. Yeah. It's Um, it's great. It's totally satisfying. Everyone wins. Um, Satisfying. Now, Michael Ritchie, I believe got this job because he directed bad news bears. Yes. Um, And, not only Bad News Bears, uh, if you want to throw in um, semi-tough football film with uh, show favorites, Burt Reynolds and Jill Claver and Chris Christopherson. So <laughs> a stacked lineup of Academy Academy favorites. That's a like- football movie. Downhill Racers, a skiing movie. Mm-hmm. So he And later on, he made Digstown, a boxing movie. 
Um, so he had kind of a history with doing, and even Smile, which is about beauty pageants, but kind of has the same kind of ensemble competitive quality to it. This guy's directed at least 10 bangers. It seems. Oh, like, I mean, if you look at Downhill Racer, Prime Cut, The Candidate, which is one of my favorite movies ever, Smile, Bad News Bears, Semi-Tough, I mean, his, semi, his 70s run. But then you throw in Fletch, throw in The Golden Child. I mean, The Scout with Albert Brooks, oh. written by Albert Brooks and Monica Johnson. Um, some fun stuff. Michael I... Ritchie was a really, really good director. I mean, I would put Downhill Racer, The Candidate, and Smile. It's true, like, 70s top mm-hmm. up to, oh i guess 69 was downhill racer but oh, um, see, my see my first intro this is this will show our age gap my first intro to michael ritchie is a simple wish like i never saw a simple wish no nah, you were that's because you weren't like five or like <laughs> I, was, oh, I was in high school yeah yeah you were <laughs> yeah, yeah you were 97 <laughs> yeah. <in> <laughs> yeah you weren't like yeah you weren't like uh in elementary school uh, yeah but i mean like like even like we saw prime cut the other day yeah, that movie's wild, and it's a mo- a monster of a movie. It's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, and also another Chicago movie. Yeah, kind of, kind of a Chicago. He's a Starts Chicago off as a guy. Chicago. He's a Chicago oh. guy. <laughs> Is Richie a Chicago guy? Uh, no. He's a Wisconsin guy. Yeah, the Midwest. But a great director. Check out all those movies we just mentioned, folks, if you haven't seen them. Yes, um, like a lot of the guys who were really big in the seventies, his eighties were a little up and down. Wildcats definitely feels like more of a competent director for higher gig yeah it's like a, it's a lesser work of his i, mean, I think he Definitely. would agree not in the, yeah, i mean not he made it the year after fletch which was a huge hit yeah. but um and the same year as golden child with eddie um you know what this is like him uh it's like how david uh, cross uh talks about how like you know uh his role in like the alvin and the chipmunks movies that's like the, the role that got him like his summer house or whatever yeah. like it's like that's this is probably a wildcat he's probably like yeah this is one for the you know you do one for the company you do one for yourself yeah. this is and the we one knew richie you. was gonna like put in a good job he's a great yeah. director and he yeah. you know he can handle stars he can handle comedy and sports stuff um so of course we're here now we're at the end Ooh, yeah of this we're gonna move into rising sun in just a moment so the movie ends big hurrah big win then the beat drops and all of a sudden the guys in gold they are lined up in a room that looks suspiciously like the same room the chicago bears were in for the super bowl shuffle oh. <laughs> um, oh, what's happening here uh, what's what could this be about <laughs> is it an end credits sequence in which each member of the football team rap about their roles on the Wildcats, it 100 is, yeah! and it's like a big fist pump, and you're like, "Oh my god, we're going down this road." It's great, all the guys, including Harrelson, rap. But on top of that, they keep cutting back to Goldie Hawn, who seems perplexed by the entire thing. Yeah, and like we is. mentioned, this may have been her introduction to rap music on the spot, and she just goes, "Football, <laughs> football." And that's kind of the hook of the song. It's, it's so good. It, it rules. It's awesome. I mean, like, I looked up buying the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, I haven't bought it yet, but I'm still considering it. Um, it's so of its moment. Like, 1986, just discovering rap music. 
all the songs on the soundtrack are bangers. Yeah, it's like that ending is so pure and just like uh, it's so stupid. Yeah, in the best possible ways. Yep. And I we were talking about this on the time. Every movie should end with the cast coming out and rapping, and each like verse is just like you know the characters game. Yes. Um, so a few notes on that. I have to go back in time a little bit because we, Patrick and I have a text chain where we talk about a few ideas for the show. Um, most of this morning was discussing the insanity of Michael Crichton's novel and the movie adaptation Disclosure. Yeah. But um, we should note that um, we talked about the possibility of their being some raps on some of the other Academy Academy films that we have discussed. So uh, we we wrote a few rhymes for the bridges of Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> the obvious choice for this kind of thing. Um, Patrick, do you want to start it off? Yeah, my name is Flaps, and I'm here to say when my wife when my wife cheated on me, I looked the other way. <laughs> <laughs> then I found out my mom cheated too. And I gotta say, Clint, this next verse is all you. <laughs> Crying in the rain ain't no fun. Every other movie, I got a real big gun. <laughs> if you're sad that Meryl Streep is gone, I got four, four words for you. Get off my lawn. <laughs> the blues. <laughs> the blues. <laughs> I'm a rude neighbor from down the street. Unbeknownst to Meryl, I have a thing for Clint's feet. <laughs> He's a photographer for National Geographic, which you'll learn about upon discovering the chest in Meryl's attic. <laughs> God, this is great. The movie is about a tender love affair, but the scenes with Flaps and his sister, I just don't care. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Burgess of Madison County, The Wrap by Patrick and Don. And yep. Jen. We should give Jen some credit. She did, she did a few pitches on there, too. You know, Clint, still alive. Meryl, still alive. They could go back. You know. Oh my God! Man, imagine them recording a duet standards album. <laughs> yes. um, but we should give you know Wesley Snipes is good in this movie. You can tell why he became a star. He doesn't mm-hmm. get a ton of stuff. It's kind of um, a pre Willie Mays Hayes level member of the team kind yeah. of thing. But he's fun and char- he's fun and his charisma is already there. Yeah, and it's nice to see him and Woody Harrelson this young. Although Woody Harrelson is already has a receding hairline and certainly feels like he's like a 30 year old man playing on this team. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't help that like Woody Harrelson, unfortunately, like even if he's younger, he just is one of those guys that looks like he was born like 37. But this is why Woody Harrelson has consistently worked nonstop with like oh, five major projects yeah. every single year you know, since this, since 1986. You know, it's, it sucks when you're, you know, young, but when you yeah. get like, when you're in your fifties and you still look 37, it's not bad. Like, I know. Still, and now yeah. and now everyone says he looks freaking great for being a 60-year-old man because he does look great at 60. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Like you see him in Carnage, you know, like, damn, dude. You yeah, he's keeping like up with him. Hardy. Yeah. So good. speaking of uh, hunky older men, mm-hmm. 1993's Rising Sun. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Just strap in, folks. Buddy cop crime thriller directed by Philip Kaufman. Ooh, okay. Written by Michael Crichton, Philip Kaufman, and Michael Bakes. Based on the novel Rising Sun by Michael Crichton, starring Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, Harvey Keitel, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, Kevin Anderson, Mako, Ray Wise is in the mix, Ooh. Tia Carrere from uh, True Lies, an uh, earlier one for him, Stan Shaw, and um, you know out of nowhere, Steve Buscemi. 
Did yeah. not see that coming. Um, and also Daniel Von Bargen, George Costanza's boss from <laughs> Seinfeld, is the chief of police in this one. We were, yell- we were yelling every time they got a suspect. Jed and I yelled every time, how about George? <laughs> from, the, uh, from the Festivus episode. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, shows you where our minds are at. This movie was budget $40 million. Big. This is big. This is post-Jurassic Park, so every Crichton property was uh, de- on demand. Oh, for in, sure. Um, yeah. Hollywood. American had a, Crichton fever. Made a nice $107.2 million at the box office. $100 million, <laughs> this movie, Patrick. That's nuts. That it's is not, like, yeah, not, that is not kind bad. of... bad. Yeah, that is, that is wild. Um, David Mamet did a draft on this movie. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if any mammoth survived. <laughs> I feel like there's like a like the much like the uh, ghost in the uh, the footage. There's a little bit of a ghost of mammoth. I think. Yeah, this I think building. so. Um, so here's a little bit of fun facts: development and writing. Crichton was paid a million for the rights to this movie. Oh my god! From his novel. And he also goes attached to write the screenplay. He delivered a faithful draft to 20th Century Fox. They asked for a rewrite. Um, Philip Kaufman demanded five separate rewrites from Crichton on this one. And I actually think if anyone is to take credit for any of the success of this movie, it's Philip Kaufman. We'll get to that. Um, Crichton was not in favor of Kaufman's decision to cast Wesley Snipes as the protagonist because um in the novel it was a white guy Oof. 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 and he didn't realize um Crichton argued in a movie about u.s japan relations if you cast someone who's black you introduce another aspect because of the tension between blacks and japanese i don't know man yeah, I, I don't think know, we'll man. Be fine. Yeah, also, like, yeah, Michael Crichton, he's an odd bird. He's, he's an odd bird. We'll talk about that as we get into this yeah. a little bit more. I think, though, one of the joys of this entire movie is how great of a time Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes are having together. Oh, like, what a sure. great pairing. Like, who doesn't want to see this movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're like, yeah, they're like a, a fun. They're like a fun combination that I didn't realize I would. You like, wanted in your I life. Wanted. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, yeah. It comes out of nowhere. Right? Yeah. So this was a July release too. This was like a summer movie. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Times have like truly Times changed. Have really changed. Yeah. Cause yeah. like not only like, you know, cause of course like, yeah, this movie is kind of, you know, like the, it's a, the, the subject matter is a little offensive that, but just on top of that, the fact that it's like a weird, like, erotic crime thriller a thriller is like a tent pole is sort of insane yeah so um it's a 33 percent on rotten tomatoes which sounds about right yeah that's fair uh richard schickel of time magazine i think does a pretty good job bestsellers passions were misplaced but in toning them down the adaptation turns bland not too far off rich yeah um controversial film not as controversial as the novel, but still controversial nonetheless. Um, not the most nuanced take. No. That's a polite way of, I think. Yeah, it's a very things. polite way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> very much um, as, yeah. We will not do a lot of spoilers on this one, I don't think, because actually this is a murder mystery and it's fun to kind of let things play out. Wildcats, yeah. I think you can tell from the jump 
the road for which Wildcats is going to go down. Yeah, there's they're going to win. Sh- you know, it's it's not really about the plot and the story in Wildcats. This is about hanging out with fun actors. There's no shocking uh, revelation in Wildcats. Yeah, this one is all about shocking revelations. But we'll get to the basics here. So, um, during a commencement gala for the new Los Angeles headquarters of Nakamoto, uh, Japanese business, a call girl, uh, sex worker named Sherilyn Austin is found dead, apparently after a violent sexual encounter in one of the boardrooms. Police detective Webster Webb Smith, mm. great name, Wesley Snipes, is brought into the investigation. Now, Patrick, I was a little confused here how things proceed. He is <laughs> called and told to go to some shady like warehouse on his way to this in this building in yeah. that seems to be in like century city or downtown downtown yeah i think it's like Nakamoto downtown maybe near is. little tokyo perhaps yeah you know something along those lines so he goes into this place that there's a guy chopping fish heads insane like it's, insane yeah. And Wesley is because he's so fucking confident. He's never played a vulnerable, like weak man in his life. <laughs> Maybe in one night stand. Yeah, there was a little close. bit of one night stand, but yeah. um, he just struts in. No, like, no, no problem. I'll check yeah. out this place. He goes up. He's like, go upstairs. He goes upstairs and he enters a room that seems straight out of Japan. Maybe. It's, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, uh, <laughs> at least one... according within the logic of this film. Yeah, at least it's according to Michael Crichton. <laughs> and he's told kind of like, oh, you pick up this guy. He'll help you out in this yeah. investigation with this Japanese business. You see a female hand reach in and then walk away. Oh, might come up toward the end. We'll save mm. that, though. That's a bit mm. of a twist. Guess who it is? Guess who the guy he has to pick up to lead him into the world of high-level Japanese businesses? Naturally, your first guess, of course. Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery <laughs> is John Connor. John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> this insane movie. <laughs> Master of Japanese liaisons. Um, yeah, it, yeah. So this like sixty-something Scottish guy <laughs> who it's it's weird. It's, it's so, weird. It is like truly. It reminds me of like alligator when they get slayed. Like he's like that kind of expert, but it's like yeah, it's but it's Japanese. Like his expertise is like Japanese and and to Sean Connery's credit, yeah. this is what makes Sean Connery like one of the greatest movie stars mm-hmm. in the history. If you're like kind of okay with it, you're like he's so charismatic. You're like, well, why not? We'll go with it. Yeah, it's like totally. Like, it's one of those things where um, it's so kind of ludicrous and silly that you can't really take it at face value, I would yeah. say. Which is like, yeah, like when he's saying things like, now don't do any law job movements. They're, they're afraid of that. Like, so for the next insane. two hours and five minutes, probably, Sean Connery, almost 90% of his dialogue is teaching Wesley Snipes about customs that he needs to know before he does anything in the world of japan of course the japanese do this you need to know this about japan those are how many of his lines start yeah. throughout the rest of this film yeah just like very uh wild like yeah and it's just um you know and yeah it's just it is it's just kind of a crazy it's crazy yeah <laughs> and so then the third cop on the scene is the um 
racist from the jump. Yeah. Harvey Keitel. Just the just nonstop the racist, nonstop <laughs> racist machine. Harvey Keitel. I mean, he's like he's really he is just full on like you know I'm just a bad dude. I'm yeah. Not I mean, good. it's like and then when it's suggested he's a dirty cop, it's like surprise, surprise. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because yeah, he's the classic like you know hypocritical like we're selling our country away and then he's everything. Taken- yeah. Oh, is it's it's. He's checking all the boxes, folks. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of funny how like outdated this like it's I kind of forgot how like there was like a time period where people were like legitimately like afraid of Japan. Like there well, was like, well, it's the same thing you mentioned this morning. It's the exact same way people behave by China. Yeah, a hundred percent. Exact same. It's the exact and. Well, it's because the cold warriors and like the boomers who like created this, these enemies, once these enemies disappeared, they've been so fucking desperate for new boogeymen they enemies. They want to keep it alive. They, yeah, they, 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 they're dying for it. Because, like, yeah, because they live in this world where they're constantly like they have to be number one and they, they like the, the, the point, the paranoia never left them. The thought of just like hanging out and being at peace and enjoying your life is just impossible for these no. fucking ghouls. Yeah, it has <laughs> to be like a fucking freak. Yeah. Of like, which, um, do you think that if Michael Crichton were still alive today, he would be on Twitter tweeting about China? Yeah. Oh, he would definitely have like a And I think he'd have like and he'd be like with Sean Penn on the front lines in Ukraine. Oh, I don't know if he'd go there. I think you'd have a sequel to Rising Sun called like Falling Star or something. Yeah. Or like just like yeah, like a red red moon. I don't know. Just, yeah. just totally insane. Uh like Yeah, because Michael Crichton seemed to be like obviously he's a he was a really smart. Yeah, maybe too smart for his own good. Loved yeah, guy. Dude, I loved his books growing up. I read like, most of them too. I, I mean, I told you, I read Rising Sun. I've never seen the movie before today or this weekend, but I read the book and I didn't remember a thing about it. But I definitely read it in the post Jurassic Park haze. Oh, there yeah. was like such a funny thing about reading his books too. It was like everyone read Jurassic Park first, right? Yes. Pretty, of our generation? Yeah, oh, 100%. Younger. That was my first. And I, I read that book every year for like 20 years. I, I think I read it three or four times. Yeah. At least. Um, and just kind of getting into the deeper cuts in his catalog and being like, this is not like Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, he's like, well, he's like the type of dude who like really likes to like turn shit on its head. It's like, you know what? You think that people think this way. They actually think that way. Like, you know, and then, and, and sometimes that's cool. Cause like eaters of the dead, I think they do a good job of being like, you know, uh, the Ottomans actually very civilized, but I think things too. like Andronima strain are very cool, like interesting pandemic yeah. kind of book yes. and movie. But then for every one of those, it's like uh disclosure. It's like uh, men actually, they can be sexually assaulted too. Yeah, or harassed or harassed yeah yeah but it's just like and the, like what in the corporate environment yeah it's very weird it's a and weird... then you were telling me about him like naming a oh pedophile yeah. after one of his critics or uh, yeah in no in, in the book next so like he wrote state of fear and i think his name was like michael crowley uh, he wrote like on for the new republic he wrote like a pretty scathing review of state of fear and so uh <laughs> retaliation seemingly you know allegedly uh he uh wrote uh and i've read next next is like probably his weakest book in my opinion i don't even think i finished it 
uh, it's about like DNA genetic manipulation. There's like a kid who's like half chimpanzee in it or something, if I remember. Very weird, very weird book. But there's like a character named Mick Crowley in it. Um, and it's not like a big character. It's like a, like a one-off like moment, but it's like, yeah, there's this guy, Mick Crowley, and he only likes to rape baby. Like he's like, he's only attracted to them if they're wearing diapers. And it's like, but, and his dick is like small enough to actually like, it's so insane. It is like. It's crazy. It That's is awful. Like, it is evil. It's a truly <laughs> evil thing to do. And it's also gross, but it's also like this motherfucker, like didn't he graduate from like Yale or something? And like, he's like, he wrote... well, it's like a Harvard man through and through. And yeah. he was like a working, he was like a doctor. And I mean, yeah, he's, and... he's like a legitimately was a very intelligent man. Created like, it's like, it's so, it's just so baffling that like, he just, he couldn't handle. Uh... This goes to show like, don't get just because they're like successful in one thing, like these people do this all the time. Yeah. Just because they're successful in one thing does not make them like fucking god, or like yeah. a, you know, like all these people are just people. Yeah, never have like yeah, and it's like, and it's a shame because like yeah, loved his books, uh, but like I was is... looking back though, the last book of his I read was in '95, so it's been oh, a wow. spe- it's been a bit because like Jurassic Park dropped, so I read you know hungrily read sphere and congo and eaters of the dead and terminal man oh i read terminal pretty quickly i read terminal man at way too young i was yeah like terminal 11. man is actually a darker yeah i read that story. like at age 11 or something it but was then like yeah he did right <laughs> after jurassic park he did rising sun and disclosure or like his next two books and just like my man that's why he did lost world right after those two because it was like Let's get back to the dinosaurs, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, Lost World's a fun read. I think, yeah, it's just, yeah, it just, ugh. Yeah. Ugh, that's all I can say. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's so and funny. And then he is, I mean, he, you know, spent the, the last portion of his life, like, outside of writing novels, his big, like, task in life seemed to be climate change denial. Yeah, and like, State of Fear was such a, it's such a bummer, because I remember reading that and like, you know, that's a gigantic yeah. bummer. Yeah, and then like you know, I was like an impressionable kid, and like I remember reading that and like going up to like my physics teacher and being like, "Is this like true or like is this like is what Michael Craig?" Because like he's like at the time he was like someone I like read his stuff and like respected him or whatever. Uh, it's like you know, it's you know the Jurassic Park guy. He knows his yeah. stuff, right? Uh, got it. Yeah, he's got the guy who writes books about, you know, dinosaurs coming to life. Yeah, surely this guy knows the science. Uh, but then my physics teacher was just like, nah, dog. Like, <laughs> come on now. It's funny, like, I think that's the reason why King has continued to be readable. Mm-hmm. It's because he seems like an amiable guy with decent enough politics. And like, you know, like yeah. and his, like, his, like, his, like, quirks are... Um, like digestible. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, like King's like weirdness is that he like can't get over the fact like n- nobody listens to 1950s rock and roll and rides bikes anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I think that that's like he still thinks kids like you read like a new King book and they're still like acting like the kids and Stand by Me and you're like I don't this is not how kids yeah are no, no. anymore. These kids would be on their fucking Game Boys and shit. Yeah. Like yeah, this 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 time is long past. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I think Stephen King. Um, yeah, I think. But, I mean, uh, I read I read Stephen King's last book, the Billy Summers, that came oh. out last year, and I liked it. 
I thought yeah. it was good. I dude, yeah, no, I've read. Uh, I'm trying to think of the most recent King book I read. I think I read Mister Mercedes and enjoyed yeah. that. I'm back like, with him. I like him. Like yeah. I read Revival gets a big Don recommendation. Ooh, That's a I, legitimately gruesome, scary one. I have that book. Haven't read. And like you know, like uh, like Jurassic Park, The Stand was like another book I read like yeah. every year, like for multiple years. Like and there's a reason favorites. The Stand and Jurassic Park still are read by pete they're good yeah they're yeah. Jurassic park's good yeah Jurassic park's good but, yeah, um, yeah but like hey just don't yeah never like valorize i don't know i think it's I just think like it's stuck in the realm of speculative sci-fi yeah with uh kind of with his doctory background mm-hmm. to and not get too out of hand with that and weird i mean oh Crichton would have like absolutely blown joe rogan's mind <laughs> you got, uh, that would have been that would have been the clip that's what he'd be up to now he's going on rogan and <laughs> him like, spouting off shitty idea weird ideas i love the idea of like yeah joe rogan jordan peterson michael Crichton, and billy corgan uh all just saying oh, the stupidest shit to michael <laughs> Crichton would have had thoughts on cancel culture Oh yeah, see, he would a hundred percent write like the story about like a, a, a noble comic who uh, yeah. was was canceled because yeah, like he a write- scientist who like cured cancer, but he pulled out his dong on Zoom, <laughs> <He> <laughs> defending Zoom, that guy. He the Zoomer story. Yeah, <laughs> he would have defended Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> <laughs> he means he's a stupid defender. That's so funny. That oh, yeah, God. he would do that. He would fucking yeah. Michael 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 Douglas is Jeffrey Tubin. Oh God, yeah. Ugh. So basic subplot. The basic story is that yeah. Connery and Snipes are kind of mismatched, and then they're thrown in this crazy world of Japanese business and trying to figure out who murdered this poor girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of goes, but it's you know kind of straight up murder mystery but there's some fun stuff like connery like smashing that dude in the neck that bodyguard with like a with like a slap to the neck to get in to talk to the oh, guy yeah, rules. Eddie, it's, it's... who i liked a lot i thought the guy eddie sakamura the character who was carrie hiroyuki tagawa yeah sorry oh, carrie, he rules that's your name but he was great very charismatic actor I wonderful actor so, I, he's know. like one of those dudes that like he's like an emma and one emmett walsh type actor to me where like his presence always uh kind of improves whatever is happening yeah i love ray wise senator john morton they're like uh, trying to figure out who did it i'm like yeah he's involved he's played by ray wise <laughs> yeah oh he definitely adds like yeah that twinge of like twin peaks energy too like a yeah i know bit of, you're like, like oh there's an if there's a dead girl and ray wise is on the scene yeah 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 he's, there's, he's there's involved investigate this why he played the devil and reaper like yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is he's like, one of the best like yeah. one of the best at it uh like him and um, danny houston just mm-hmm. and then steve buscemi is willie the weasel Wilhelm, a reporter on the scene. Oh, he's a reporter. I guess that makes sense. But he's in the interrogation of Wesley Snipes by his fellow cops at the end. Why is he there? It's so weird. I thought he was like a detective at first. It was very odd. Yeah, for another movie that's like for a movie that's 130 minutes long, there's like a lot of unexplained shit in this movie. Um, Uh, I love and just to backtrack a little bit to Connery punching uh, Tony's character. Mm-hmm. Like, just love, there's a lot of scenes where, like, Connery just, like, pulls, like, a Seagal and, like, 
Uh-huh. He beats someone up in like one punch, or like, or like, there's a lot of like running scenes with like snipes and Connery. yeah, where they were like running side by side together. It's like they they were running for ten seconds, they stopped, they gave him like half an hour. Like it's so unbelievable, it's crazy. He's I love a big it. guy, Connery though. Like he's way bigger than Snipes. Oh, that like, makes sense. I saw, I noticed, like he's like a head taller than Snipes. Really? Connery's pretty big. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. He has a long, uh, he has a long game. Sure. Yeah. But it's like they're fun together. Mm-hmm. They're like kind of bickering together. And then there's a scene toward the end. I won't give the context of it, but they get confronted by all these toughs. Yeah. And Wesley gets a chance to do some martial arts. And it's oh, awesome. And you wish it was fun. like boiling point. You wish it was there for the entire movie. He's capable. He he rocks. It's so also, much. Wes yeah. is great in it. I also actually. like that they, they give Wesley Snipes a uh, like a reversal moment where like they go to like a like you know his neighborhood where he grew up like, yeah and then like it's like although and, Con- and connery's afraid of the black guy yeah it's so fucked up and funny it is kind of like and i like that like <laughs> that whole scene is bananas it's so everything um, about it reveal too much but apparently in the book uh the murderer is one of the japanese characters oh and in the movie Philip Kaufman switch it to being one of the white American characters. <laughs> Phil, good call. Very good. Very <laughs> uh, this good. movie would probably be unwatchable and cringy to the max if it had been a Japanese villain. Yeah. Because the racism would have been a too too yeah, too, too thick. Too too, too much. Too much. Yeah. And I, I think that Philip Kaufman really really understood that we need to focus just on this being a murder mystery and not on the not on Crichton's kind of obsession with the shiftiness in his mind of Japanese business yeah it's funny because there's like this thing where like on one hand you you there's like this labored sense of like you can feel like in the script or like Connery's character like they're trying to be do it and like a no they're like better than us they're like uh, like tra- he, they, like he's legitimately trying to be far more respectful than I think Crichton was, and that's yeah. really because I think Crichton was like they are still like Kaitel, they're stealing our business. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. But then, but then I think it's also it's like it's so funny because I think it is like the same, those same like talking. It's so funny just seeing those same talking points just with China now. Can you believe that Mercury line that Kaitel did? Oh my god! Crazy. Yeah. Just, Crazy. just absurd. Oh my Insane. god! Well, we watch the movie, folks. You'll figure out what that line is. I don't feel like repeating it. Um, yeah. Michael Chapman was the cinematographer on this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the greats. Did you know cinematographer on oh, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, uh, Scorsese Man? Oh, and he did a lot with Kaufman. Did Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Did The Wanderers? It doesn't look like they did. Um, just kind of re- doesn't look like they did the right stuff, but did a couple with Kaufman. Yeah, but like Kaufman's um, like, in, and like we said earlier, Kaufman's like another guy who has at least like like two well, like flat out classics. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, he's a gigantic right stuff fan. I think it's one of the great movies. I yeah. think it's so great. Um, and then his remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is obviously a total banger. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wanderers, based on uh, based on the um, Richard uh, Richard Price novel, um, Unbearable Lightness of Being with Daniel Day-Lewis. 
um, all the way to he did this movie a few years ago called Hemingway and Gellhorn, mm. where uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Clive Owen. Oh, I love Ernest Hemingway in it. But the best part is Lars Ulrich from Metallica is in it doing an acting role. The, what? Like one and only one. That was like the entire reason I watched it. I was like, <laughs> Lars is in this movie? What is he doing? Because I guess uh, he knows Kaufman because they're both Bay Area guys. And huh. they're like friendly because of that. Um, Kaufman also broke the story for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, wow. Interestingly enough. So he's great. Yeah. He hasn't worked. I think he's, I think he might be they said it says he's still present, but he's uh, he's 86 years old this oh, year, wow. so he's probably not. He's probably done. Oh man, um, I kind of want to. I bet if I emailed Philip Kaufman, we could get him on the show. Do you know his uh, his son is married to Nancy Pelosi's daughter? That's interesting. <laughs> That's very funny. That's an, <laughs> it's wild. Hey. <laughs> new uh yeah yeah you know nah. i mean but then she's a bay area person too so it's it's very yeah, yeah. metallica pelosi <laughs> all these elites Hell, yeah, the elite. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta lock them up you gotta lock them up <laughs> you gotta lock up metallica <laughs> the big boys of metallica the ruling class metallica. i've always considered myself a guns and roses guy yeah. <laughs> steven adler great drummer Oh my god, that is a riff I did not expect. Best in the business. Oh my god. Trump. Whatever happened to Isley Stradlin? Yeah, is he we're gonna give him the Medal of Honor? Everyone talks about Slash, but no, it's Izzy. Izzy yeah. was the Izzy was the heart of Guns and Roses. Actually true. Because oh. um, Izzy was kind of the heart and soul. He was kind of the Keith Richards of the early Guns N' Roses. Mm. more guns and roses talk folks oh, we love you, it. you gotta love it going yep. back to the going back to the terminator 2 episode oh, man <laughs> deep cuts uh, deep cuts yeah i think this is that this conversation kind of does some uprising sun though it's like yeah. we started talking about it then kind of drift away into talking about other stuff um yeah but connery's good in it snipes is great in it um the murder mystery is compelling enough that you do want to know who did it yeah i i think it, it is like uh, Again, focusing on the murder mystery is probably a better choice than focusing on international yeah. relations yeah, or like between the, idios- the U.S. and Japan. Yeah, the idiosyncrasies of uh, Japanese culture in comparison mm-hmm. to American culture. Because um, I think that the idea of like Connery and Snipes as two mismatched cops going on a murder mystery, that's a movie. That's, that's a movie you want to watch, you know? I think Crichton's weird quirks, political quirks, Kaufman did the best he could in toning them down. But I think, you know, I think this gets back to Schickel's thought about it kind of makes it a little bland. Yeah, well, and it's also interesting, like I uh, read this article, because uh, I was very, whenever like there's a movie like this, I'm always curious about how it's like presented, how like the people in the country uh, mm-hmm. of that it's, you know, uh, referencing or lampooning or whatever, yeah. how they like interpret it. And, Walking uh, the line on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Teresa Watanabe uh, from the Los Angeles Times still works the Los Angeles Times. Great oh, cool. for her. Hell yeah. She's like on Twitter. I need to like, yeah. Shout out to Teresa. Uh, you know, sh- uh, she wrote an article about this back in 1993 uh, that was uh, the t- and the title was uh, Culture, uh, Rising Laughter. 
many Japanese are more amused than offended by the stereotypes in the American movie. They're treating it, the whodunit, as a comedy. Uh, no. And it's very, it's very interesting reading this and like seeing, for example, um, uh, Miyataki, a Tokyo journalist, snickered at the name of the high tech firm that doctored the critical computer disk. Hamaguri Corp, unbeknownst to most Americans, that translates into Clam Corp with a double meaning of the female genitals. God. <laughs> and so, like, I think it's just like, uh, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's well, just, it's the right attitude to have. It's just, yeah. Oh, these fucking idiots. Yeah, it's just, it's just a very like. Yeah, I mean, we were doing that riff on text earlier too. It was like coming to an American meeting. It's like always present a cheeseburger. Americans need cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's that would be so. I want that, was that so version. Funny. Like yeah. so funny. Like stars and stripes. It's Toshiro Mifune and beat Takashi, and <laughs> you know Takashi's in the snipes role. He goes. They they're dealing with Americans. Uh, you know Takashi going to you go into Toshiro Mifune's room. There's just all this like America like pictures of McDonald's and like uh, Elvis. If the American businessman is getting cranky, always have a pack of Skittles in your pocket to make sure their blood sugar is at the correct level, because no doubt nine out of 10 American businessmen are diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite was you were like, oh, we've been to Carl's Jr.'s twice. This means that the meeting meeting (laughs) is a success. God bless. Yeah, what a good. Yeah, D- dumb, dumb movie. Uh, not like if they paid you in um, Six Flags gift certificates. That means this is the negotiations are going well. <laughs> uh, they... Yeah, kind of a dumb movie. Entertaining yeah. for the most part. I will say um, that, like you know, Philip Kaufman. The directing is like kind of the. Well, there are choices. He's making choices, too, with his camera work in it. It's not bland. It isn't like he's he's putting his all into it. I think that there this was this time period, though, with Crichton and you go to the Grisham movies, too, like Sidney Pollack's version of the firm. He's trying to make a really high level movie Mm -hmm. with the firm. And the same with this one. They think that there's. I don't know, like, it's interesting to me, these like kind of airport novelists who dominated 90s uh, yeah. cin- 90s adult cinema <laughs> there was like yeah it's so crazy how there was like this time period and it's unfortunately it's kind of past it's funny because i guess now it's like more like fantasy stuff that's kind of like, like ya and fantasy y- kind of yeah, stuff but like this and king still yep but this is like the yeah cause this was like the era of like yeah john grisham James Patterson, Tom Clancy, and Michael Crichton. Those were kind of like the big four. I guess you could throw King in there, but I feel like King's like almost like his own thing. But yeah, I mean, I mean, King, you know, stretches back to the 70s, so it's like it was yeah. nonstop. Although Crichton has an entire amazing, wild career as a director that started oh, in the 70s. Westworld, right? Yeah, I mean, Westworld is probably the most known one, but, um, you know, as a filmmaker, he made some, like, I'm going to get I gotta look these up real quick, but made some odd, odd movies. So he made this movie Coma with Michael Douglas. So he got he has this movie called Looker, which is like a sci-fi satire movie. Oh, wild! Um, was Runaway, which is a sci-fi like action movie with Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons from Kiss as the heavy. 
I'm looking at this poster. The poster does go hard. This is like an insane poster. Yeah, yeah. I, um, there's a wonderful Action Boys episode for our listeners. If you want to know more about Runaway, they covered it on their show. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like he, he's like he was like a. It's interesting that he is like this entertainment journeyman that I feel like we've. We don't get that much of that because I feel like Stephen King did a little bit of that. You know, he did well, Maximum he, Overdrive. Yeah, Maximum Overdrive. I wish, like, I wish they'd let, like, Dean Coons direct a movie. Oh, or, yeah. you know, what would John Grisham's movie of him, of his lawyers running movies look like? Yeah, uh, see, yeah, it is cool whenever it directs. And it happens, I think, like, um, God, what movie? Uh, there is a movie recently, like, this um, Perks of Being we, a Wallflower. Yeah, yeah, he, and he now, he, now that guy, like, makes movies yeah no he's yeah. yeah and that was good i liked perks when it came out that's a fun film but yeah i mean i think that like obviously they don't like taking these kind of risks anymore but i think you can have some real weird magic <laughs> I, yeah. but, I mean Crichton probably his most biggest financial success outside of jurassic park is he also created er Mm-hmm. The yeah. TV show that was on for you know fifteen fucking years. <laughs> he might have been the wealthiest, uh, with the exception of Stephen King, King and J.K. Mm-hmm. Rowling. He might have been the wealthiest author it, living. Absolute, massive, massive success. But also, like J.K. Rowling, even you want to get to that? Yeah, total weirdo. True. Yeah, and for yeah, it's yeah, it is like yeah, total to to total, uh, total the. Uh, Psycho. Well, it's like psycho. I mean, at the same time, I think J.K. Rowling may have only ever had one idea. Oof, yeah. It was one really an idea that really seemed to spark the imaginations of an entire generation of people. Yeah. But um, Crichton well, seemed th- to have a barrel oh, of crazy totally. ideas. Well, I think like doesn't J.K. Rowling also write under like a um, this like murder mystery kind yeah, of stuff, which yeah. is like fine. I don't know. Yeah, yeah her opinions fucking suck. It is like. It uh, is, yeah. yeah. And she, uh, it's okay, we don't have to get into all that shit. Like, yeah, fuck her. But um, the secrets but, of Dumbledore are deep and varied. Yeah, the secrets <laughs> like, of deep Dumbledore. Dumbledore can eat shit. Yeah, eat shit, Dumbledore. He did eat shit, Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. So, Rising Sun, it, it doesn't matter. We will probably be the last podcast to talk about it. Yeah, honestly, so. it's kind of it's so funny that like, uh, yeah. It it's weird. This made a huge success in the Snipes filmography in terms of like money making success. Yeah, didn't even occur to us to put it in the bracket. No, and, and, well, it's because it's like it's forgotten. It is yeah. like this is such an episode of like I feel like fucking Indiana Jones going into a dusty tomb. Yeah, <laughs> and, and these movies all, you know, I was I was talking about it with um with Graham, hi, former mm-hmm. guest the other day. This kind of idea of like that these movies came out and like some couple in 1995 1993 like, hired a babysitter went to the multiplex and decided you know what we're doing for our date friday night we're gonna see rising sun yeah wow <laughs> what a different era yeah what a time you know oh, man like, you know it's like like but it's like and it's, but it was also like a time when they just like, all these movies came out and they were just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. And now everything is so processed that like they just can't even take those kind of risks. It hat the shit has to stick to the walls or else it's a you know PR disaster. Yeah. And even then, they cast that psychopath as the Flash, 
Yeah. And they're, and they're up shit creek. Oh, yeah. Total. Yeah. And like they've like Ezra Miller has single handedly like ruined. They tanked. Like, yeah. Warner Brothers. They like to throw fucking chairs at people during karaoke. God, yeah. <laughs> just total. They, they're, yeah. Total, total lunatic. It is kind of like an insane. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It is just, it's a wild, um, wild world. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so rising sun. Rising sun. <laughs> rising uh, sun. Uh, run, don't walk. Run, don't walk to the rising sun and probably pass it by and rent the right stuff. Yeah, rent, yeah, rent the right stuff. Yeah, maybe. right stuff is a wonderful time. Give, yeah, give Henry and June a chance. I don't know. Yeah, Henry and June probably, have, you know, Henry and June, like the first NC-17 movie. Whoa, really? Yeah. So cool. give Henry and June. That's interesting. That's a, yeah. that's actually more interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, just a couple short years later, Snipes is just, this is kind of, Snipes is on all cylinders. So in 1993, he also released Boiling Point. Just the year before that was Passenger 57. Also in 93, Demolition Man. Mm. Snipes is kind of yeah. at his peak here. Peak Snipes. Um, 94, Sugar Hill and Drop Zone. 95, he released Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Um, the kind of show, new show favorite. Um, mm-hmm. He did a, an, an uncredited cameo in Waiting to Exhale. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also released a film called Money Train. Ooh. Action comedy. Directed by Joseph Rubin. Screenplay by Doug Richardson and David Lowry. Uh, story by Doug Richardson. Produced by Neil Canton and John Peters. Yeah, John Peters, I saw that. licorice pizza fans out there. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's this, yeah. This, this lunatic's behind yeah. the wheels. Yeah. See that? The credits are like, ooh, we got we might have a movie here. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's a giant mechanical spider halfway yeah, through this movie. Yeah, this, this lunatic's involved. Um, starring Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, Jennifer Lopez in her feature film debut, mm. uh, Robert Blake. Another, uh, <laughs> talked about a few shady people oh, here. God. The okay, only, so... uh, only murderer that we've brought up thus far. Uh... Yeah. Uh, Robert Blake, by the way, his energy in the movie Ooh. is so foul. It is like. Hey, oh, he is sinister, isn't he? He is so sinister. Because this is so funny. Because I watched, uh, I recently watched um, In Cold Blood. And he's uh, he's great know, in Cold Yeah, great in Uncle Blood. It's almost yeah. Maybe it's a little maybe too great. Out. Yeah, maybe too great. You're like, oh man. Between uh, Cold Blood and Lost Highway, you're like, this is kind of the Blake that we think yeah. exists out there. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, no, you can't help but think of his performance in both of those aforementioned films when you watch this. And it's so funny because this is like this movie is such a like uh, you know dime a dozen action buddy comedy. This is probably from an era when they, you know, made three of these every, you know, they had like a quota they had to fill. And this was just like, you know, like the generic one they put in the slot. And he just, his character just brings a level of menace that is like unnecessary for the role. And it's a classic, you know, bureaucrat boss character. You cast a great actor like, let's say, Kevin Dunn. Yeah. In this oh, role. so fun. You know, because he played it in Unstoppable, a better train mm-hmm. movie if there ever was one um, <laughs> uh, and then of course we got to mention chris cooper as terry the torch edwards oh. we will get to that insanity yeah. momentarily um 
film took 35.4 million at the North North American box office, 77 overall. Budgeted 68 million though, a hefty price tag. Yes, um, that's actually kind of surprising. Not, con- not considered a giant hit. Yeah, although uh, what was it? Um, yeah, in the production, both uh, Snipes and Harrelson were played 5.5 million dollars to star in Money Train. Yeah. So that's where um, a lot of that movie, and, some um, of that movie money went. Very clearly, they both, their agents smartly said, you're going to retain the guys from the gigantic cultural hit, White Men Can't Jump, mm-hmm. then you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Bubbly, so I'm, glad they got, I'm glad they got paid. They did not have to rob the money train in real life. No. You know, they, they got paid. Yeah, they got um, paid. Movie's got 22%. On Rotten Tomatoes. Uh oh, another yeah. another below the mark movie for the Academy <laughs> Academy this week. Yeah, uh, this one actually has a consensus. Oh, loud, loud, incoherent, and aimless. <laughs> uh, you know what? Not wrong. <laughs> Money Train reunites Nice and Harrelson and proves that starring duos are far from immune from the, to the law of diminishing returns. Ooh. 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 Stung. That one stung. Ouch. Ouch. Um, Bob Dole called for a boycott on this film. We'll talk about that in just a sec here. Oh, yeah. Um, that is funny. I forgot about that, too. Yeah. So this one is about Foster Brothers, John and Charlie Robinson. They are transit cops patrolling new york city subway inexplicably partners inexplicably brothers best friends partners um yeah their job seems to be not like luring people into crime like one of them goes undercover as someone who could be robbed and then the other watches it and uh yeah it's it's, it's, seems illegal it's like entrapment so yeah it's entrapment um (laughs) meanwhile um Transit Captain Donald Patterson, played by uh, Robert Blake, who's who who's who runs the subway with an iron, diabolical, um, <laughs> dictatorial fist. You expect like fog to roll in every time he speaks, and it's, it's just like evil, evil. This energy. movie is a collection of things. <laughs> yeah. is, that a, is that a good way? <laughs> yeah, it's just stuff that doesn't necessarily. It is like a toy box. It is These like a are toy all box. Things that worked within other movies in 1995 and around this time period. <laughs> so you got buddies. You've got a, a love triangle. Yes. You have a evil captain and kind of snark, snarkily smirking in the face of authority. You have a psychopath haunting the subway. <laughs> yes. Who's like, lighting people on fire. Borderline a Freddy Krueger. Like that level of just like cartoonishly evil. You have um, mismatched buddies, one kind of a stick in the mud, one with a gambling problem. The exact same plot line to White Men Can't Jump. Oh, yeah. Also, like, um, yeah, White Men Can't Jump. I was going to say, I was going to say, it kind of has Beverly Hills Cop vibes to like the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's taken from all of these things. I yeah. think, um, I think speed was a huge influence. On yes. Movie. I felt that too. This movie felt like, um, it's like if speed and White Men Can't Jump had a baby and then someone dropped an anvil on that baby's head. <laughs> Like, comically, comically, folks. Comically, satire. Yeah, like a, yeah, a piano yeah. fell on it. The baby comes parody. out. Parody, parody, parody. Don't. If you drop a pa- piano on a baby's head, I will. I will. Now be you so go mad. to jail, and I hope they throw away the damn key. Yeah, I hope you get. I hope you meet the torch in jail. Yeah, I hope you meet the torch. Oh my god, I don't even know how to break this movie down. It's just, it is a collection of stuff. Yeah, so, and it's like um, yeah, a lot of happening. 
so they're cops. Woody Harrelson has a huge gambling problem. He's got $15,000 in debt mm-hmm. um, to a racist um, mobster. Yeah. Woody uh, Wesley gets a great line when he gets back at the race. He gets actually in Rising Sun, he, when the guys are racist to him, he gets some good comebacks on that too. He does, yeah. He does get like some good, like, yeah. It's like, really sad. That's really satisfying when he gets mm-hmm. those white guys. In yeah. both films, it does feel like, and I think like one guy he like throws through like or drop kicks through drop a kicks glass through. So yeah, um, they're these Foster brothers. They're kind of low level cops. Yeah, Wesley though immediately established himself actually being kind of a super cop. Yeah. And like, why are you working? Is it just because Woody Harrelson's such a loser? It does feel like he is like brother's keeper, like hardcore, like yeah. Uh-huh. So. Then they get teamed up with Grace Santiago, who's a new cop on the beat, who's yeah. played by Jennifer Lopez. Both take, great, a, yeah. both take a liking to her. She's immediately pops off the screen. And I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to be crass here. Um, I was really, really excited to see Money Train when I was a kid. Like oh, the trailer, sure. like play like gangbusters. I was a huge fan of both of them from white men can't jump it looked like speed it basically looked like speed meets white men can't jump oh, yeah. i was like yes i want to see this movie literally the only thing i remember going into this screening when i had not seen this movie in nearly 20 years <laughs> was that jennifer lopez got naked in it. yeah <laughs> like, that's fair if you're like young it, yeah young, like I, 1995 totally 13 year old don was like yeah, that's the only memorable thing from this movie. It was kind of a disappointment otherwise. Yeah, that's 100% reasonable. <laughs> I, sorry, I, I would not feel that way as a nearing 40-year-old man. But no, totally reasonable. Also, 13-year-old yeah. gross teenage boy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, and I Don, think that I'm probably, I believe when the Action Boys covered this, they, who are all my age, yeah. said the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, man, I, have to, I hate to say this, Don, but uh, Chris Cooper's uh, at my door right now. Oh, no, and he just God heard damn that- it. He's Patrick, so give him the money. <laughs> Wait, he's, no, he's, he's gonna light you on fire. Oh, anyway. No, he's just pouring. What is this? Ah, let me smell this. So, <laughs> gasoline. Oh no. Meanwhile, we've got all this comedy about a love triangle between the three of them. Yeah, a, a laughable antics with the boss because these guys are lovable scamps who do yeah. things their own way and. And the boss, all he cares about is not playing the money train, which yeah. is hauling the subway revenue around. Keep that in mind, folks. If the title of the movie doesn't cause you to remember the money train, then you probably would forget it exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because also the great character, Hector Chris Cooper, is running around the subway as the torch psychopathically firing flammable liquid in through the little chute where you pay to the um, person who takes who gives you tokens for the subway, robbing it and then firing a match in there to light them on fire. Yeah, evil. scary stuff. It's evil, like, scary and he, stuff. He's like such a. I didn't. I forgotten how like um, magnetic Chris Cooper is as a as an actor. So good. He what is a, like, one of the great yeah, actors. Yeah, and he can do because like uh, you know I loved him and uh, as a kid I loved Sea Biscuit that movie mm-hmm. he's great and that is like kind of like the wise old like horse trainer and he's then just to coach. have him you can yeah. you can play a coach you can oh, play yeah. a bad guy he's definitely great at playing like generals. Ooh yeah. Yes, like there's just like a there's like an evilness and then like a playfulness to him. It's great. He rules. Well, he's, yeah, I mean he's got like um 
He's just a versatile actor. Yeah. Great his, actor. We loved him in Adaptation, going yeah, back to his, that movie. And his evil isn't, like, otherworldly scary like Robert Blake's. <laughs> like yeah. his, Well, no, because he feels like an actor. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a scary person who's yeah, in Robert, <laughs> Yeah, Robert Oh, God, yeah, yeah. It's like a joker. Oh, they also give Robert Blake all these, like, lines, like, I'm going to tear out your pubic hair and shove it up your ass. Like, you're like, what are you talking about, it's, man? Oh, God, no. He is, like just it is just like i can't very un- just an unsettling, unsettling. Uh, yeah you wish you could just uh like take it's not a- fun because you want like again like a kevin you- dunn or a oh who's another yeah. good example like, like a, a john bo- goodman maybe yeah or yeah like uh it's kind of like and then a walsh and then at Walsh, yeah, like a, just a good character actor. Y- you want someone goofy they can goof with. John Lithgow. Yes. Oh, that'd be so much fun. And John like, Lithgow would be game for like shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, he'd get a wedgie or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Robert Blake. Yeah. You're not wedging Robert Blake. Too scary. Like, the, they're like, Robert as... Blake's like, can I pour you a drink? I'm like, what's inside that drink? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you this. I have this video I want you to see. Like, I am in your house. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, even like Robert Loja from yes. uh, Lost Highway. He would he actually. Been... Yeah done this well part incredibly well he would have crushed it that would have, yeah let's so they're all like chasing after chris cooper you're like what the hell does this have to do with a money train yeah this is just a scary guy they're chasing around the subway yeah this is crazy the guess scary... what folks nothing <laughs> it's because they needed more action scenes and so they have to do this great chase through the park and then they just to kind of take care of chris cooper it is so nuts like yeah half or maybe not halfway like two-thirds into the movie you have this character that's been built up chris cooper and like legitimately scary like they do a good job of presenting him as like oh wow this guy's a real villain yeah you think he's gonna be like the big bad all la dennis hopper and speed like he's gonna be like the big scary guy you're gonna have to fight and they chase him and they have this big fight and then it's exciting oh it's super exciting yeah it's great oh it's rules and then like snipes is able to like how does he do it? He like douses him in gas somehow. Yeah. And like lights him on fire. And you're like, he, oh, like, well, he snacks a pipe against the floor, which causes a spark. Oh, yeah. Because Chris Cooper has Wesley's gun after mm, the fight. That's then, how he does it. So Chris gets caught on fire. Then he gets blasted by the money train. Yeah. He gets, yeah, the titular money train. The titular money up. train. So you would yeah. think that Robert Blake is the transit captain and kind of monitoring the subway mm-hmm. we feel like man you guys got the torch that guy's been lighting my employees on fire yeah. literally no he's upset that the money train was delayed like how dare you hurt this money how train how dare you it's like, what is you are you are you like dating the money train <laughs> you expect what? him to kiss the money train yeah. like kiss the money give, 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 give the money train a little kiss <laughs> give it a little kiss oh god yeah it is like yeah oh it's and like i'm surprised i don't do like a um like a shocking, he survived. But no, it's yeah. over. He dies. Oh, and he, he fu- almost he almost lights Jennifer Lopez on fire, which is scary. Yeah. And then he like fires Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Like I don't remember. Oh, be, like because they caused a nuisance and they delayed the train. And yeah, even it's like they-, they caused a nuisance because they're going after a supervillain. Yeah, they saved the town from like. 
like the torch a guy yeah, who has like a scary nickname. A guy who literally has the name of a villain. Like yeah, yes, yeah, he's like got like a scary villain vest filled with yeah. flammables. A dude that a Batman would have to fight typically. Yeah, well, no, yeah, he's like a Joker. He's yes. a Riddler, a Joker. It's so nuts, it and so... he's just dispatched about you know sixty-five minutes into the movie. Yeah, and then um. Meanwhile, Wes Woody's in bigger trouble than ever. Oh, Wesley gives Woody the cash to pay off the mobsters. Mm. What a good book. What a good guy. Yeah, good guy. Woody's yeah, he does. Oh, but Woody's then immediately mugged. It's so insane. It is so like he's mugged by like an old lady. It is so bizarre. It's never, so ins- on the train. Never see her again. Never see her again. Yeah. Meanwhile, and they're intercutting that with a really passionate sex scene between Wesley Snipes and Jennifer Lopez. It's a real goofus and gallant moment. Oh my god. And then like Woody's <laughs> upset about that and he goes to Wesley's house and he finds him in bed again. He's like, oh bummer. This would be a good time to discuss Woody's look in this entire movie. God. So we mentioned Woody Harrelson, amazingly talented, cool, yeah. seemingly cool. very cool guy amazing career yeah. um great look today in the 90s he was like a lot of guys do um was kind of doing battle i think with how he was going to design his hair yeah um as he was losing his hair yeah we know him as a chrome dome kind of guy now who occasionally wears a wig and it's not too off-putting yeah no. um in this i don't know whose choice this was but they gave him a mullet basically yeah do you but know also uh, like he's got a massive receding hairline do you know the band strapping young lad oh yeah like a devin townsend yeah kind of thing. it's like he oh, saw geez, devin a... townsend in concert he saw strapping young lad and he was like i want the strapping young lad that or is um <laughs> reggie from uh phantasm He's got yes. the same look. <laughs> he is like buff Reggie. That is yeah, so like a movie funny. star version of Reggie. He is like, yeah. oh man. Uh, by the way, um, uh, this is just a total tangent. I saw I'm ambulance. I don't know if I we said that on the podcast already, but uh, we've not brought up ambulance. Yeah, we both uh, saw ambulance yeah, separately. Both, saw ambulance. both saw it. Yeah, ambulance is great. We both love it. It rocks. Uh, there's like a character in the movie ambulance who's like and, and I'm, i might even edit this out i don't even know if this is for the audience but like uh there's a character in the movie um like the fbi agent right and all i could think of when i saw the fbi agent character is that that's like hunky greg turkington oh, <laughs> this is like hot kington this is like <laughs> he looks like greg turkington if he got yoked there are so many one thing we didn't talk about when we were talking about ambulance earlier quick ambulance tangent mm-hmm. michael bay bringing back all of the tangential weirdos of action movies of the 90s like that lady who is running calm the oh comms yeah for uh garrett dillahunt who's got the usc sweatshirt and the dogs in his weird small car Insane. everyone has a cool weird thing in ambulance yeah. it's great Oh, everyone. Oh, Kiro Donald is the actor. And he's great. And he went to college with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's so stupid. Oh, Simple, I love it. Rules. I loved it's it so, so much. I love Go it. See it in, try and see it in the theater, folks, if you feel comfortable yeah. going to the theaters. Yeah. It, I is do. A, it is a freaking treat. To do what I did, go at like 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. Get a no giant soda. There. Get like gorge yourself on candy. 
Because yeah. it's oh. that it just have have it have the time of your life. Go to yeah, go to the little bar. I forget what the bar is called at uh, AMC. They have don't like a- go to like an Alamo Draft House or one of these fancy places. Mm-hmm. Go to a mall movie theater to get the true ambulance experience. Yes, you want horrible popcorn that will make you feel sick. Sticky you- ass floors. Yeah. You want to like pull a whiplash, take your milk duds, put them into the popcorn. That's the I only swear way. You will feel like you're in a time machine. I walked out. I saw it with former guest Graham High and we like high fived <laughs> after it was over. And I yelled, I love movies. Yeah. Also, um, I, I can't believe I didn't bring this up during Rising Sun. Uh, a, a building featured in Ambulance oh, yeah. is featured in Rising Sun. 660 Figueroa. A little bit of Los Angeles ge- geography corner from our geography man patrick Ramion. yeah like it's famous to me i know it as uh, the building with i think it has like a chick like a, either a chick-fil-a or a cadoba like mm. one of those like chains. Uh, it's getting toward lunchtime both sound good to me mm, yeah <laughs> but uh ambulance is better than money train yes i'm willing to say that oh a hundred percent uh ambulance ambulance makes more sense than money train ambulance so, is somehow less stupid than money train. yeah i know if you can believe it at least at least uh ambulance's stupidity is um it's fun and cool coherent yeah well and, there's like such a basic plot and they follow the plot oh long. it's awesome and it's and yeah. they is just giving you what you want it's giving you what you want all the actors the three actors are great yeah like, it's it's a it's a blast Anyway, um, so Woody Harrelson has not got the girl because he's got. Oh, and his outfits are like peak nineties on yeah. top of that, and he, he wears yeah. these wears these terrible berets. It's, oh, floppy and berets! Then, and Wesley Snipes is looking like nineteen ninety five Wesley Snipes. So ten times out of ten, he's getting the girl. Yeah, and hundred percent because like yeah, because like the outfits that like Harrelson is wearing, like they're so like nineties ridiculous that I don't I don't even know if Snipes could pull off that floppy of a beret. He he looks like he's probably doing side gigs as the bassist of Spin Doctors. <laughs> I think that that would be yeah. the best way to describe Woody Harrelson's work in this yeah. movie. <laughs> you have to expect two kings to play whenever he enters, or two yeah. princes to play whenever yeah. he enters a room. <laughs> if you want to call me baby, just oh. go ahead now. Oh, oh man, Spin Doctors, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, and, and Wesley Snipes is awesome. Like yeah. he's being held down by Woody character-wise within the context of the movie uh, mm-hmm. their characters like john deserves more in the same vein that sydney dean probably deserves more than billy in white men can't jump oh 100 <laughs> percent. so they're out of money woody harrelson's gonna get killed these these gangsters unlike the gangsters in white men can't jump do seem legitimately ready to kill woody harrelson um they're out of jobs too they get fired by robert blake so finally and they got to rob the damn money train. Mm. It's the only option left. Yep. Um, would this have movie have worked better if Steven Soderbergh had directed it and the entire thing was about them robbing the money train from the moment the movie began? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100%. If you could have like crafted an actual like interesting, like uh, imagine like Michael Mann's money train. Yeah. Um. But it's like the money train is kind of an afterthought. It's like kind of like, but like the action scenes, like when they get onto the train and they have to jump off and they're bashing the subway car driven by Bill Nunn from um, yeah New Jack City and uh, Mobetta Blues. Delightful cameo there. It's exciting. Now, 
why is Jennifer Lopez on board with them robbing the money train? Doesn't she have a career as a transit cop that she wants to keep up? Was it just a fling with Wesley Snipes? Many questions here. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's very, um, um, yeah. It's unclear. it's unclear. And the interesting thing I noted, going back to Michael Bay, this movie, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to just look it up real quick here, came out the same year as Bad Boys, a vastly superior version wow. of this movie. Oh, my goodness. And you could feel like the director of this, Joseph Rubin, doing some Bay-esque moves. Hmm. But when Bay arrives on the scene, just a scant, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, Bad Boy, this came out in November of 95. Bad Boys was more of a summer release. I saw Bad Boys at a movie at a birthday party with friends. And we all walked out. <laughs> Again, high fives being distributed after a Michael Bay movie. We were like, that movie kicked ass. <laughs> and I was 13, which means it really kicked but these yeah this was peaked on time for all of these kind of movies um and i I rewatched the trailer to money train actually patrick and i was like yeah i can see why i wanted to see this movie so bad the trailer rocks yeah there's enough like cool stuff in the movie where you could craft a really (laughs) convincing trailer Mm -hmm. and like you know and joseph rubin not like an untalented like he has like the stepfather is like i've heard is a good movie yeah stepfather is um you know a strong kind of 80s kind of exactly what you you know the evil stepfather i mean it's what you expect but it works within kind of that realm of things he did uh i'm really interested in this movie gorp oh my god so I saw Gorp. I was like, Have you seen Gorp? Have you seen I'm, Gorp? I've not seen Gorp, but I've looked at the letterbox. It's like I was like just curious about the letterboxes of his movies. And <laughs> I love this. Uh Mr. Sneaky Man gave Gorp a half-star review, and it's just this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sneaky Man does not like so Gorp. It's a slobs and snobs like meatballs ripoff set at a jewish summer camp in upstate new york about the wacky antics of a group of waiters it has to be this yeah this sounds good it it has to be i still want to see it it has to be the inspiration for what out american summer it yeah it has to and dennis quaid is in it and fran drescher is in it and rosanna arquette is in it they're like david huddleston who plays um uh lebowski The real Lebowski and Big Lebowski is in it too. I mean, like, even like I saw, like, because I was like looking at all like the pom pom girls uh, seems interesting. Yeah. Someone was like, I saw it. Looks like he did some AIP exploitation kind of ripoff movies early on in his career, sexploitation stuff. Then he moved into Post the Stepfather. He did a movie called True Believer courtroom drama with james woods and robert downey jr there's a sounds a sounds like a winner sleeping with the enemy uh which julia roberts did post pretty woman so like you were not around for this the julia roberts like mania no anything she was in was going to make a hundred million dollars she was just fuck huge like sleeping with the enemy cost 19 million and made 175 million at the box office and it's just like a psychological thriller bad husband psychological thriller 
Oh yeah, and then he did the Good Son too, which I also saw at a birthday party as a oh kid. My God, that rules! <laughs> because we we're all—I mean, this is peak Macaulay Culkin. Speaking of like Money in the Bank movie stars in the early '90s, so it was Macaulay Culkin versus Elijah Wood, folks. If you've not seen this movie, you got to see this movie. This is a nutty ass movie, and it meant a lot because Macaulay was evil and said the f word. Ooh. Also a cool 83 minutes. Um, budgeted 17 million, made 60 million. And my friends and I went and saw this in the theater together. And we were really excited about this movie. <laughs> Dude, Ruben made paper. These are not, none of these movies are like, I mean, like, you know, Philip Kaufman directed The Right Stuff. Yeah, that's like an Michael Ritchie classic. directed like Downhill Racer and yeah. The Candidate. Like, these are like criterion level movies. Yeah. I don't believe there's a criterion movie in Joseph Rubin's collection, but he's in these are weird, like neat movies of the moment. Yeah. His yeah last, I can see a vinegar syndrome. Also worth noting, his last movie he has directed was 2017's The Ottoman Lieutenant, which apparently um, denies the Armenian genocide. Oh no. Come whoa. on, Joseph, whoa. Joseph, buddy, buddy, yeah. Joseph. And the answer to that is whoa. Oh man! Oh my God! <laughs> what the Joseph? No! Come on! So that was that, probably. Uh, um, man, career. Come on. I don't know what happened between because he like motherfucker must have been desperate. That's like well, I think I think I mean the, that movie star has Michelle Huseman who was in um, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, and the uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, Tremaine. Josh Hartnett's in it. Ben Kingsley is in it. Oh no! Well, these I mean, are... people are bet they were just taking money. Yeah, I, mean, I, I bet. Guarantee whoever produced this is like this is a passion project for them. Unfortunately, and everyone oh. probably got paid their full scale to be in that movie. But regardless, made two hundred forty thousand dollars at the box office. Uh, oh my whoa. goodness! Yeah. Again, I oh God, I kind of just so. Uh so morbidly curious and so there's a movie that came out so we can, we don't need to go too far into this but this is a fascinating topic there's also a movie that came out in 2016 called the promise oh that's good which is also about the final years of the ottoman empire which is declares definitively that the armenian genocide occurred yes and that one stars oscar isaac and christian bale that Where? one cost $90 million to produce and only made 12.4. Both these movies complete and utter failures at the box office. And everyone got paid out there, like, yeah, completely for these. But the director and producers, The Promise, have stated publicly they believe that the Ottoman lieutenant was made to counter The Promise. And these are warring movies. Oh, my God. That is so, I mean... This is completely off topic, but this is fascinating that this, like, entire thing exists. Yeah. Let it be known. The Academy Academy, we're Team The Promise. Yes, we are Team The Promise. (laughs) That should should happen, dog. Like, yeah, that should happen. Yeah, but... uh, And neither movie... Nobody saw either of them. No. And The Promise has got, like, yeah, Christian Bale and Oscar Isaac in 2017. Christian Bale probably cost $10 million at least to get in that movie i would be god i i want to do like a 
we could do a one-off episode about the because like if you guys want us to watch these to like look at them i mean we're not experts in this no not at all we're at like all. Bulls, i mean we, did, yeah. we could do some like surfacey level research the but. most surface yeah we we probably shouldn't do this but yeah maybe but, on it's our... in, but it's fascinating nonetheless yeah. that there's like again like culture serving these purpose like in this attempt to like do battle via culture mm-hmm. of these very very obviously serious issues yeah it's interesting. yeah both sides like i mean just the com- complete idea that popular culture movies tv really are what matters to the people in charge and the rich people in power far more than actual policy or well, well like think about like Wild. how like yeah like it's well it's so fascinating how in the past maybe decade i would say the instrumental instrumentalization of american movie stars has gone through the like it is like the sign of prestige like there are so many uh you know movies uh, made in china for example with like you know Bruce like Willis. The, the or, one that Matt Damon was in. I'm forgetting the title where he had the ponytail. Yeah, 100%. When that and that that movie was made to demonstrate that uh, China can create a universal box office. Like, that was the goal of that yeah. movie. It's, yeah. It's super talk about a Talk about a rising sun scenario. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. No, it's all, it, like, it's, it's Yeah, it's really interesting in how, like, you know, and almost all, I mean, both the Promise and the Ottoman Lieutenant were certainly funded not by anyone with any real interest in, like, making an arty movie, but no, this is people movie. who are, like, activists for these sides. It's... And that's it. Like, when it's like those those crazy, like, that crazy Roe versus Wade movie. Oh, or, that's or any of that one. stuff. Yeah, it's. Did you ever read the Jamie Kennedy interview where he's like, "Oh, this is like I thought I was getting a serious role for once." Yeah. <laughs> Total. Uh, Jamie, I just rewatched all the screen movies. You're missed in those. You're fun in those movies. Yeah, come come back, Jamie. Yeah, but <laughs> back, Jamie. but he, I don't know how we got on this, but I guess yeah, Joseph Rubin. <laughs> but yes, it oh, is yeah, um, Lieutenant. Yeah, it's no. This is just like it is funny how like uh, culture is uh, weaponized. Like in every like I know there's like um. Like a Polish movie they had that had Patrick's uh, Patrick uh, Wilson in it, like mm-hmm. in a lead role, and like yeah, it's interesting. It's just like yeah, all every country does it now. It's fascinating. yeah, and I mean, but and then you get people like innocents caught in the crossfire, like Jamie Kennedy, who just thought they were going to act oh. or be paid for something. Oh <laughs> yeah, kind of dumb dumbs. Yeah, or, total, and yeah, total, didn't total. look that closely at it to realize it's a fully a piece of propaganda. Yeah, and that's oh, all yeah. it is. It's so yeah, because like no one. It's so funny because like no one watches these because you know say what you will about like you know the Great Wall or whatever. At least they're like trying to make like a movie that people are ostensibly going to be entertained by. That's like mm-hmm. the ultimate goal more than anything. Uh, like yeah, like yeah, no one's like excited to see the Ottoman lieutenant. No one has Ottoman lieutenant fever. I mean, we didn't know it existed until we started covering Money Train, which, for all of its flaws, at least. Money train is fun. 
Yeah, it's just it's stupid. It's fun. It's like it's I a think great it's, hang with stars. Yeah, I think it's the stupidest. You know, Rising Sun's pretty dumb, but I think that uh, money money train is like hard to say. It's yeah. pretty pure. Like I think just pure knucklehead rocks for brain stupidity. I think I think Wildcats was my favorite. Yeah, I th- I'd say all, so. I think, all honesty, and Wildcats was kind of dumb too. Yeah, but. well, I think Goldie Hawn has like my favorite uh, performance. Mm-hmm. Wesley's great in all three though. Yeah, I want to no, make that clear as we head toward the finish line here. <laughs> yeah, he's game. He's it's funny. Yeah, we don't really talk about him that much in these three, but he's like he's he's game. He's to a play. star, yeah. and like again, Money Train gives you the same kind of taste that like um, Rising Sun does. He's so capable and so in action movies, and he's so charismatic. But like the action movies we've watched with him, they were that are supposed to be pure action. He's downplaying his charisma except for passenger 57 mm-hmm. passenger 57 the reason why it rocks so hard is he gets to do exactly what you want from him mm-hmm. be fun and funny but also totally kick ass you know like yeah kind of thoughtless way almost. also just like nice to see like yeah like uh, him and uh, jennifer lopez maybe the sexiest couple alive yeah Pretty. it's memorable still yeah how how handsome they are together <laughs> like wild stuff and him and woody are wonderful together well, they're super fun yeah these yeah. i love i love i i actually would am op- totally welcoming to a uh white man can't jump uh sequel or reboot with those two i want a third team up can we get that hollywood can we get a third yes. team up restore the wesley woody universe <laughs> <laughs> I guess Steven Soderbergh directed for crying out loud. I mean, he's the old like. Why does he seem like the best option for them? Because he is. Yes. So, who knows if any of you will watch any of these movies? Will these movies be relegated to the dustbin of cinematic history after we're done covering them? I don't know. Will there be a revival for any of them? Hard to say. Yeah, these um, might be. These are yeah, you know, these are lesser uh, snipes films, and um, uh, you know, maybe, 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 you know, who knows? Unlike the extraordinary discovery of the water dance, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the water dance worthy of reappraisal. Yeah, water dance fever. America yeah. should have it. Get water dance fever, but these rightfully probably left off the tournament, but I'm happy we watched them. And Patrick, what I'm also really happy about is unlike Streep and um, Pacino, we might be well on our way to completing Snipes. Yeah, we might <laughs> watch every... I the mean, possibi- I mean, the straight-to-DVD stuff, mm, we might not, but in terms, of his theatri- in terms of his theatrical releases, we will have gotten through most of them. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much, yeah, with the exception of, like, you know, a couple of films that, like, you know, he cameoed in for split seconds. I think we're pretty much hitting every... Uh... Yes, um, as of this episode, outside of cameos, we are complete through 1996. God damn. Not bad, not, not bad. Not bad the all. definitive Snipes discussion on the Academy Academy. Guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> folks. If you have any um more raps based on movies we've covered, send them to our email address or send them to us via Twitter at Patrick. The Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. 
or check out our the Academy on Twitter. Please, yeah. um, communicate with us. Talk to us. Let us know what you're like and let us know what you're not. We're do you like the hangouts? Do you like the tournament competition? Do you like us constantly rewatching movies? We'd like to know. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna change anything, but we'd like to know nonetheless. Yeah. And you know what? We just I would love to just like open up my uh, email one day and see a non-podbean or Twitter uh, email. Just yeah, and like, you know, say, say like fuck you. Drop yeah, someone should have won. <laughs> yeah, eat shit. This should have been undisputed's turn. Now we get an email from like out of Africa is one of the greatest movies ever made. You guys give it shit all the time. <laughs> How fucking dare you? This How is, dare you? This is claws. <laughs> <laughs> so next week. New Jack City Demolition Man. It's going to be a good one. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great app. So we will see you all then. Um, let us know. Wildcats, Rising Sun, Money Train. Did you watch them too? Mm, let us know, please. Please let us know. And on that note, football. 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 <laughs> How do you do? How do you know? Spanglish. 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 <laughs> hey, That's I'm- an old one. I say they call me too main, the ebony lover. I validate the theory when I'm under the cover. Useless world kings, meddling diamond rings. Football. My name's Tarula, I'm a real bad dude, making sounds and noises that are certainly rude. But when we're on the field, my noises aren't art, like a, and a, or a plain old bar. It's the sport of kings, better than diamond rings. Football. I was leader of the team for about a week. My specialty was the quarterback sneak. I was act and attack my back to pack. When I got the word in the form of a bird, it's the you know, sport now. Of kings. Better than diamond rings. Football. We once were a team that never could mesh it, but now we're something fresher than fresh. Ha!